Freedom Factory's Creativity Unleashed podcast. Join me, Tiffany McIsaac, and my partner in creative pursuits, Melanie Pinto, as we explore creativity as a state of mind rather than a talent we're born with. Here you'll find guided meditations, insightful conversations, and evocative tools to help you unleash your full potential. Because when we live life from a place of creative thinking, the opportunities are endless. be a total coffee nerd, frequently combing the streets of Toronto in search of the perfect roast and unique finishes. I remember the first time I walked into Antica Cafe like it was yesterday. Coffee, cocktails, records, live music, this place was definitely my vibe. We are so excited to have owners Shant and Raz on the podcast today, as these creative entrepreneurs embody the mindset needed to make your dreams a reality. Enjoy the podcast, and if you're new to the channel and are liking what you hear, please show us some love and hit subscribe. Hi guys. Hey Tiffany. How are you? How are you? Very well. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining me on Creativity Unleashed. Um, so about two years ago, I um, for anyone that doesn't follow the gallery, um, we took a pop-up space at Queen and Shaw. I think it was, I don't know if it was two summers ago or three summers ago. Um, and we were just basically using it every weekend um, for random pop-ups that we were doing where the shows were bigger than the gallery. And I went into Antica for the first time. And um, I was like, what is this place? There's a records and whatever. Um, but it was so much more than just getting a coffee. And Sean was working and he's telling me about like Greta Van Fleet and like showing me new music I have to listen to. And I was hooked from that point on telling Van Fleet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do. I remember that very well. And it was just like I remember leaving and like telling friends and like my boyfriend, like, okay, I just went into the coolest place and still <laughs> here for the summer. And then one of the like next times, not the very next time, but one of the next times I went in and we brought like um uh someone for a business meeting and they had never been. It's just like sitting on the back couches, like regular coffee, all of a sudden, like someone shows up and starts playing an instrument. <laughs> like, okay, cool. I didn't know this was a planned thing because it seemed very just like happening so casually. Like 10 minutes later, someone else is playing another instrument. Before you know it, it's like a full on jam session. Um, and then you're DJing. And I remember just even that night being like, can I please hire you? this to happen in the gallery because I need this in my life um and then I think we like won a record on some draw and but yeah oh right yeah away, it was like a vinyl me please event I think yeah we had like I think like RF and stuff we're like doing a jam that night too what a shit show yeah it was crazy <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> we had no idea we ended up like staying for hours having wine after the meeting and like yeah, i just remember like before we started getting to know you guys i remember you guys just sitting in the back and like drinking wine and there was this one fucking time you guys walked in and i was out of wine and i'm like sean i'm gonna duck out quick and i'm gonna run and grab <laughs> oh, <wine."> really? <laughs> yeah. 
Again, <laughs> I bolted to the fucking wine store. I got some wine. I came back. I'm like, I knew these guys want wine. That's so funny. Yeah, I think we always like start with a coffee. <laughs> like, okay, now bring us the wine. Yeah. I haven't drank that, in nine you, months. Uh, yeah, you gave me my first DJ gig. Yeah. It was amazing. That You don't understand how much that meant to me. It was amazing. It was so cool. It was so good. And for anyone that um, didn't come and see that, Sean came and played, and we, a friend of ours came and played the flute to like accompany him spinning on vinyl, um, which was amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, like right away, I just realized how special your space was, and it's so much more than a coffee shop, and it's so much more than a record shop. Like it's, it's just like a creative hub. Um, that was our entire purpose with doing this. Like it wasn't. It honestly wasn't about the records and it wasn't about the coffee. It was just yeah. about creating and like these are assets to create an environment in which we want to be in. Mm -hmm. It just adds to, I don't know, just to the space. Like the music's just a layer, the coffee's a layer, the cocktails are a layer. It's just different layers adding to an experience that mm -hmm. we can be a part of. How did you come up with the idea? Um, I don't. I, Initially, like I was, I remember sitting at a coffee shop with my friends and I was like, it'd be really cool to like open up a place of just a random assortment of shit that's not relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, this is how it happened. It was like 10 o'clock at night or something. And I'm like, just call it Antica because it's a word that we used of something that's completely irrelevant. It's like, why do you have this relic in your possession? That's what, that's the context of that word. So I'm like, it'd be really cool to just have a store of like a bunch of like VHS tapes and fucking VHS players and like laser discs and just call it Antica and like I'd probably make no money doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then literally the next day I woke up and then this thing just popped in my head. It was just like a laser beam in my head. I don't know. It's just like this is this would be fucking cool to just have a place that sells coffee and records as a conduit for creating an environment essentially like that's what we're selling is an environment it's not mm -hmm. i'm not selling you the record i'm not selling you can buy a record anywhere you can buy a coffee anywhere mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like i'm trying to sell you an experience mm -hmm. my entire point so that's that's honestly how it happened and then it was just like another three years of i had no coffee shop experience so i worked two years in coffee different coffee shops just to understand how to make a coffee before i open a coffee shop i thought that mm -hmm. would be a step and then, um, and then, yeah, like applying for a bank loan and then trying to find a space that took another year with all that paperwork and meeting with different landlords and whatnot, and then construction, finding a contractor. So it was like a three year, it took three years from that day until we actually opened our doors. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's pretty, I didn't realize that like, when you started the idea, you then had to go get training for coffee. And yeah, like, I, had, yeah. I never worked in a coffee shop. Before. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Again, it wasn't about the coffee for me. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm really good at making coffee shots, so I should open a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. like, my, that's not why I did this. That was just like, okay, I, mean, I want. That's part of it. So I have to actually learn how to fucking do this right. <laughs> Try to sell it to people, you know. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the story. And then he jumped. He came, he was living in Armenia and then he came 
what, like a month before we opened or something? Pretty much. Yeah, a month before we opened. And then he, I don't, in his mind, I don't think he was like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But slowly I tricked him into thinking. Like, this <laughs> and yeah, and this is where we're at now. Um, I love that you actually did go and learn it because a lot of people would have just done it. And then I think you honestly, when it comes to coffee in Toronto, you have to really know your shit because there's a lot of so many. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in Queen West, like people like a good coffee. For sure. Absolutely. But then there's a lot of people that go to Starbucks too. So yeah, you have (laughs) one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Um, Did it terrify you to just like, do something, go into something that wasn't. Um, no, I think I'm more scared now than I was then because because of the fact that I was just completely naive to what the fuck this was. Like mm-hmm. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. I, I just had this idea in my head, and I was very confident about that idea. But in terms of like the working parts and the logistics of how to actually run a business or how to interact with people. <laughs> You know what I mean? To make him think that I genuinely want to interact with them. Like, that's a, it's a bizarre thing to me. So, like, this is stuff that I had to kind of learn. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm more scared now because I know what it entails and I know what's on the line mm-hmm. than when I was working up to it. I don't think I was ever scared before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's just because of, uh, like, having no experience doing it. Not because <laughs> of, like... That didn't come from a confident place is what I'm trying to say. It came from a naive place. I was like, it was such a like pure sort of intention. Like Mm -hmm. there was, we had like one of the craziest, I think things that um, we've realized is just like how little we actually knew the city or the neighborhood and like what we thought about Queen West and like Ossington by just like, you know, visiting the area on weekends or whatever mm-hmm. was so different than like being here every day and like mm-hmm. who you thought those business owners to be and the community to be was so different than what we actually are now like privy to, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but it was, it was that lack of knowledge, that ignorance that gave us that confidence to mm-hmm or gave Raz that confidence to make that, that jump and make that leap, you know? And yeah, I had, I had zero, zero involvement in that, in those three years that he talked about from like concept to doors open. I was studying politics and, and was like paving my way in like um, Queens park and, and in, in like the, in the liberal party in Ontario. And then I spent some time in Armenia, um, working for a nonprofit and that really started to like m- cause me to shift my perspectives in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. And most importantly, who I wanted to surround myself by. Mm. And so, um, by the end of that and when like Raz signed the lease for this and I was like, holy shit, he's actually doing this. Mm. Um, I was like, I don't know. Something was just like, this is where I, I needed to be. I think we were in Armenia together when we got the bank loan approval. Yeah. 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 I remember that. And I got very drunk that night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, I was like, I didn't know if I was going to stay in Armenia or like come back and like go back to politics. And um, I really, really wasn't sure. Uh, but I was just like, well, I mean, here's this like opportunity to help build something 
in in Toronto, like downtown Toronto, like my brother is giving me like access to this space to come and be creative, you know? And I was like, all right, well, that sounds like a great idea if I don't really know what I want to do. So um, here I am. Amazing. (laughs) Give me one second. Sure. So I feel like um, so many business professionals will point their finger at you and tell you that you have to choose something and choose something to specialize in um, and stick with it. You guys are doing so many things in your one space. Um, what do you say to them? I say this proves <laughs> right now that yeah. if I was just a coffee shop, I would have fucking closed. Yeah. So I have my records and I've sold more records in the month of April than I have in any month prior. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm still here. Yeah. So but I will say something to that though, in terms of we have chose one thing, and that one thing is being real and mm-hmm. being authentic. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that we have chose. Mm-hmm. So we we apply that to multiple things, mm-hmm. but it comes from that one thing to be true to ourselves mm-hmm. as a business. That is what we do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that is our business. Our business is being real and being authentic. Mm-hmm. We're in the, that's the business that we are in. Mm-hmm. You know? So if that manifests itself through records or coffee or cocktails or events, so be it. Um, but we have chosen something and that is absolutely it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, like a lot of what you guys do is hospitality and you have a coffee shop, you have a bar, you do events. Um, And I worked fine dining for years prior to opening the gallery and what they drill into you is like, what is the true meaning of hospitality? And I think it is like providing someone with a memorable, authentic experience Um, and like anticipating people's needs before they do and just, you know, giving them something that they're going to remember, but you guys, whether you had experience in hospitality or not, um, whether you're full-time hospitality or not, like that's what you're doing. Yeah, it's very true. Absolutely. Um, you guys are working on a second project. Indeed. Do you want to talk about it? Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, a few months ago, um, we were approached, by uh, a friend of ours who um, has somebody who, can we start that again? Is that okay? (laughs) So a few months ago, we were approached by uh, a friend of ours who um, had a friend in Kensington Market who owns a bar and it recently uh, became available. Uh, the tenant um, was, uh, was let go of and um, they, were, they were looking for somebody. And so um, this mutual friend between us and the landlord uh, put us in touch and um, thought that it, could, that it could be a good fit. Um, it was... Raz, who was approached by this, Raz went and, and saw the space and, um, you know, was, was spoken to about the, the details and everything. And then um, I think about a week later, I went and saw the space and um, 
you know, everything was like, you know, looking really good. Uh, but, you know, it, it had definitely um, crossed our minds to open up another space, but we weren't actively looking to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just such a great opportunity. And we had to, you know, just we sat down and, and we're like, listen, like, we're going to do this or we're not going to do this, you know? And uh, we're just like, you know, the, this, this coming to us is um, a reward for, for all the work that we've put into this place. And if we don't take this opportunity, like, what's the point of all of this, you know? So um, after a lot of back and forth, uh, we decided to take it on and sign the lease. And um, we then were like, okay, well, what is it going to be? Like, is it going to be another Antica or like, you know, a different concept or whatever? And just based on the fact that the place is literally just set up to be a bar, we're like, all right, let's let's go in with with like a new concept. And, um, you know, in my mind, there had been brewing this this vision and this idea and I wasn't necessarily sure how it would manifest itself and definitely um, it being a bar wasn't something that I had uh, definitely thought of but um, here was it like an opportunity to get this idea out of my head and um, it all kind of boils down to or it can be explained through the name of the space and the name of the space is called the Oud and the Fuzz. And that's the name of a song that was released in 1979. 69. 69, thanks. Uh, by a first-generation Armenian-born Oud player. Uh, Oud is a Middle Eastern guitar. Uh, he was born in New York City. And um, his father was a folk musician, and he grew up very involved in Armenian folk music. He became a folk musician himself, made a career out of being a folk musician. Uh, but having been involved in the in the New York jazz scene, he started to um, come up with ideas to fuse Armenian and Middle Eastern music with what he was seeing around him. Uh, so in 69, he stepped into the studio with Verve Records and uh, released um, a Middle Eastern psychedelic rock record. And um, when we came across this album, it was like hearing a sonic representation of the experience that we were going through as first generation Armenians in a big city and involved with the music scene, Mm -hmm. because we're just constantly looking for ways to make sense of our identity in this context. And it's, it's, it's hard and it's difficult to take uh, a culture like that's as ancient and old as Armenian culture and try to make it fit in, in, a, in a city like Toronto, which is so new and, and diverse and so many things going on. And so um, hearing this album, hearing this sound was like, well, okay, it's, it's possible. Like somebody did it, mm. made it work, and not only made it work, but made it sound incredibly beautiful. And these ideas can coexist in, in an ultimate level of harmony. You know, so that's that's the vision for this space is 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 giving us the opportunity to bring our culture into Toronto and have it fit, you know, take our understanding 
of the city of Toronto and our Armenian heritage and bring those worlds together to create something new and something beautiful. Mm, I love that. Did you create a soundtrack for the restaurant? Yes. I've, I've, um, so one of the like initial ways that I saw this vision manifesting itself was through music. And uh, like I had, I had sort of been on this journey of trying to fuse Armenian music with, with hip hop uh, and with funk, even before I came across that album by John Berberian. Um, so um, I've been continuously working on trying to um, use music uh, besides the bar as, as a way of, of pushing that narrative forward. And so um, I created a, um, a playlist of all the music that I think represents those two worlds. Um, and uh, I've also started creating my own music and my own DJ mashups uh, to bring these sounds together in, in, in a sense of harmony. Why do you think music is such an important part of both spaces and in what you guys are putting out there? That's such a hard question to answer. It's really hard. I, 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 I don't know why music has as much power as it does, but it is, it is incredibly powerful. I, every, every time I, I um, perform a DJ set, my, my goal is to cross boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and something about um, when, when, when a human being creates a sound or when, when a human being creates music, whatever um, differences that they have with other humans almost disappears in a sense. And what they create um, sonically can, can coexist with um, something created sonically by someone totally different than them in a totally different time, in a totally different space. And you can, you can use music um, from, from two different people who didn't even know that the other person existed you know, in the same DJ set. And you can, you can mix from one to the other flawlessly like like they were both in the same room jamming together you know and yeah i i don't know why music has that power but it most definitely does and um that's that's why i am drawn to it it is because it it does have that power to Mm -hmm. to completely annihilate boundaries it's Mm -hmm. really amazing also, I think it has to do with our upbringing as well, a little bit like movies, music, comic books. These were like always around us growing up from like various people in our family, not just like one person. Like hmm. I'm, my aunt from my, like my mom's sister and then my dad's brother and his wife and then another aunt and uncle. It was just coming in from different directions all the time. Like, here, here, read this comic book or, like, here, listen to this Marilyn Manson record when I was, like, 11. I'm like, you sure, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, like, it was, you're constantly exposed to that. And I think that plays, like, a pretty big factor as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, the, just it became ingrained in us into mm-hmm. our psyche, into what we look for and, like, what inspires us. So, yeah, it's just, it's a combination of, I think, various things. 
Mm -hmm. um, your events and all of the things that you guys do in the gallery um, are so creative and they draw on people from all walks of life um, and they inspire people um, you know, to have conversation, build community, promote their talents. Um, where does that commitment to building community um, come from? I think that definitely comes from our background um, ethnically. Uh, the Armenian community has always had a very, very intense motivation to uh, stay together, stay united, and 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 fight for something and fight for a cause. And and in the case of of you know the 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 Armenians, that that cause was ingrained in in, in justice. Uh, the Armenians went through a, a, a genocide that goes denied by the perpetrators of that genocide until today. So you have generations of Armenians who have suffered consequences of this genocide and at the same time I've always tried to seek justice for for that event so we grew up um, very much involved in the Armenian community and were taught the meaning of community through that involvement mm. and so um, for us when we, we sort of stepped out of that community and um, wanted to do something bigger it was simply a matter of of taking those lessons and applying them to being human beings not just being armenian you know so we wanted to cultivate a community of human beings mm -hmm. uh, based on that on those same sort of lessons you know it it was for many different reasons which can directly be linked to consequences of the genocide. The Armenian community feels very much like a bubble, you know, and there's um, they feel threatened and they, and their culture feels threatened, um, which again is I think a very normal thing to experience given uh, their history. But um, we we wanted to step out of that. We wanted to take our culture and share it with the world and not be scared that it was going to, you know, disappear for whatever reason. You know, we, th we think that our culture will only be strengthened by, by sharing it with other people and have other people take part in it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, us taking part in other people's culture, mm -hmm. it all, it all just becomes strengthened, you know, in yeah. that process. When we, were, when we were like, when we signed the lease for the, for the Oud and like, we're talking about it and we're like, have neither of us have ever been to an Armenian bar ever in our lives. It doesn't exist. Like, I know it doesn't exist here. I don't know if it exists anywhere else, but I know, you know, for a fact in Toronto, there's never been an Armenian bar. Mm -hmm. and like, we were like, well, that's fucking weird. Like, why has there never been an Armenian bar before? It's not like there hasn't been Armenians living here for years. There has mm -hmm. been. And... And yeah, we learned a lot growing up in the Armenian community that did teach us a lot in terms of how to how to throw on events. Like the, the reason why we know how to do this is because we threw on events for five, six, seven hundred people at, like through the Armenian community all the time. Like that was just something that you did, you know what I mean? So and how to sit in meetings and how to conduct yourself in that environment and how to 
negotiate with people. And this was all coming when we were like 16, 17 years old. We were pretty young when we were doing all of this stuff. So like it definitely instilled a lot of, a lot of those skills in us. And now we're just able to apply it to things that we actually want to do outside of there. And I think it's great. Like we owe a lot to what we learned from the Armenian community, but I also think it's important to take that and actually use it for the outside world as well. Mm -hmm. And for your own benefit, because if you get stronger and you do well, then it's just, you know, more Armenians doing well. And that's a good thing. That can't Mm -hmm. be a bad thing. And it is true that you are helping to like, it's the opposite of the culture disappearing. You know, the more people go to that bar or have Armenian coffee in your coffee shop um, or just listen to the music that you're doing, it's like the more curious people get about the culture in general. Absolutely. You're actually like spreading the message. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we had like something I've personally struggled with is that we, from the context of like the Armenian community and, 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 um, growing up in that environment, when we did share our culture, it was constantly from the perspective of a victim. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, look at me. My people went through a genocide. It really sucked. Like, please just like recognize me and see me and like validate me, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, I I think that that's very fair and that's a very human reaction to have, Mm -hmm. but I think if you really want to overcome and heal from an event like that, you have to do it based on not seeking acceptance from anybody else Mm -hmm. and providing that validation for yourself Mm -hmm. and sharing culture, your culture, not from the perspective of a victim. Mm. For us, like that's a that's very 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 important. You know, like we want, like you said, like if if somebody has a has an Armenian coffee or listens to Armenian music, um, they start to care. You know, because they're like, this is beautiful. You know, and it's like you're not just like um, trying to gain sympathy from people. You're like, I have something to offer. My culture has something to offer. Um, and, and you, 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 you start getting people who care. And when, when they, through that avenue, I think, start to learn about something like tragic like that, their, their response to it will be very different. And I think like, that's the way to actually deal with the issue is by like, just putting that issue aside and, and focusing on, on, all the good and the things that you have control over, you know? Mm. Um, and it's also like, this isn't, this isn't coming from like a preachy place either because everyone's entitled to feel however the fuck they want to feel and deal with whatever they want to deal with, however they want to deal with. This is just our way of dealing with it. For yeah. us, this is what feels right. Mm-hmm. And if someone else wants to do it a different way, dude, God be with you, man. I don't know. Like this is just what feels right to us. Mm-hmm. and that's just what we're going to continue to do mm-hmm. it's interesting I have um, I'm working on a show right now um, for International Refugee Day hopefully we get to show it then hopefully in some capacity a gallery will be open by then um, but it's the story of a couple's journey from Syria to here mm-hmm. um first to Turkey, then to here, but it's a crazy story. Um, it's also like 
their love story and you know it's it's everything it's the good the bad all of it um but one of the things that shocked them when they got here was how little people knew about what they had been through and the war and like everything that had happened um and meanwhile being there thinking that if people here must know and are trying to stop it but we don't know um we're carrying on with all of the things that we do in North America. Um, and meanwhile, that's happening. And most of us are completely unaware to the degree that we could or should be. Um, but yeah, it's like, well, okay, now how do we get that message out? And so with them, we're doing it through art. And it's like these beautiful um, pieces of wood that like the images are getting burned into. Um, but it's going to be super powerful. And I think, yeah, people are not always interested in the article or the news story or whatever. So when you can move someone through your culture, through art, through music, it's like that's when you're going to make that connection, like yeah. you said, so that they actually like want to learn about it. Exactly. Yeah, it has to happen on their own like volition for sure. Mm -hmm. that's, that's when change takes place. Mm -hmm. When they can make like, yeah, that emotional connection – even when you're selling art, anything, um, when you can get someone sold on your story is when they make that emotional connection and they'll actually make that purchase yeah, most of the time. Sometimes they just think, oh, that looks great. I'm buying it. But often when you're there and you can sell that story is when you actually make the purchase. And that's why sure. selling an experience, I think, is larger than or more important than selling a product. For the product, you know, it's just not like. Are you able to provide a backstory or are you able to provide context? Mm -hmm. Why this person should actually purchase this from you as opposed to anybody else? Or exactly. Some art as opposed to any other piece of art. Walk mm -hmm. into a gallery as opposed to any other gallery. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? What are you offering? Like, like I'm talking about like an intangible product or feeling. Yeah. Is what's important, I think. So it sets you apart. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too when you talk about um, a lot of people in Armenian culture feeling like you're not competing in a way, but like I feel like the arts community is kind of like that as well right now. Um, whether it's like coffee shops and restaurants or galleries, everyone's kind of like a lot of people are stressed about being the best, setting themselves apart, you know, um, come to my space. I think this pandemic has really shown us how fragile that whole situation is. And, you know, everyone's paying crazy rents, crazy this to like have their own space, do their own thing. And, you know, I've been talking with a lot of other gallery owners recently and it's like, why aren't we working together? Because <laughs> we all offer so much and we all have so much to share and contribute and we're all unique in our own ways. And so just like, working together, building community, sharing those things is like so much more sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah, I think from, um, you know, a business perspective or like an art perspective, if you feel like you have competition, mm -hmm. if you're doing something wrong in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're doing something that's truly unique to who you are, Mm -hmm. There is no competition. Nobody else is you and you are not anybody. If you're mm -hmm. feeling competitions, that, that means that you're trying to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're feeling that, 
you know? <laughs> so um, trying to be real and, and authentic to who you are and actually understanding that that takes work and practice mm-hmm. uh, um, is, is, is huge. And yeah, this, this situation really um, brought that to light in a lot of ways. I think a lot of businesses who have not focused on cultivating a sense of authenticity are feeling repercussions based on that. And they've also realized that you can't just be, be real overnight. You know, it's, it's something that you have to work at all the time. It takes, um, it takes a lot to, to, to cultivate authenticity and to, to be real and to continue being that way um, as, as, as time goes on. And so I think any business who has actually spent the time to do that is seeing some sort of, you know, uh, benefit from that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are becoming, people have placed authenticity a lot higher on their on their list of importance, um, mm-hmm. whether it be the businesses that they support or whether it be their friends, you know, it's yeah. like in, in this situation where I'm going through a tough time and everybody's going through a tough time, who can I actually count on? Who can I pick up the phone and call and that will actually be there for me and hear me out, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think um, it, it showed to a lot of people who those people are in their lives mm-hmm. like I said, from the business, uh, from the perspective of businesses, to friendships, to relationships. Um, it was made abundantly clear and I'm happy about that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, unfortunate that it takes struggle in order to show that to people. But um, history has shown us time and time again that struggle brings people together and that there's opportunity in struggle. And it's, it, it comes down to um, individuals recognizing that mm-hmm. uh, and, and putting effort into cultivating that, op- that opportunity um, in, in times like this. Mm-hmm. What do you guys do to stay authentic to yourselves? in your, like, as an individual, what do you do to stay grounded or authentic and just be in the mindset that allows you to be in this flow state? For me, it's, um, like, I do a lot of meditating. I do a lot of writing. Um, I practice, uh, you know, being creative. And I, I, stay, I stay disciplined about it, you know? I, I think um, I, I can't rely on a sense of motivation because motivation comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's about replacing motivation with discipline. And that comes to every single practice that I take on in my life um, from meditation to writing, to creating music, to being real. And um, it, it, you have to be conscious of it every single day and remind yourself what your intentions are and why you're doing it uh, on a daily basis. Um, Without that, your mind drifts and you forget. Mm-hmm. And that's normal. But if it's your goal to, to be real, then it, you, have to, you have to practice mm-hmm. every day without, without fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't do any of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for me, it's like the, because of my because I was so naive in, in, in opening this place, the only place that it came from was, was a place of authenticity. So like 
the entire foundation of this place just came from an honest and pure place in, within myself. And like being here every day shows me that. And the more that we were just talking about this earlier, like the more that we go down this path of running this place and opening up the other place, the more confidence we've assumed over ourselves as people. Like the things that I'm sure about now as to like what I would like to see in here and what I wouldn't like to see in here are much more solid now than they were two years ago. There's stuff that would happen in here two years ago that I would just let go because I was scared about either losing that customer or pissing somebody off or whatever. But I think over time, by doing something like this, you really assume that sense of confidence of like what you want and what you want to see come out of a space that you've created. Mm-hmm. It's come to the point where like we have zero tolerance for anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to keep building, obviously, as time goes on. But yeah. It's true. When I think about like the beginning of the Freedom Factory to now and things that I used to get, you know, kind of nervous about doing even or whatever. Now it's just like it just happens. It's just like right. all second nature. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we've, I don't know, I've probably now done like 10 episodes of the podcast. They're not all out yet, but I've probably like filmed and had like 10 conversations, um, where I've actually been sitting down and like delving into these topics more beyond just like obviously having conversations with people that, you know, and have conversations every day, but the theme of like the dedication is what is constantly coming up. Um, And so it doesn't matter like what field people are in, whether someone's a musician or a producer or an entrepreneur, it's like that's the thing that keeps coming up is like putting that time in, whether it's like practicing or, you know, okay, I have this idea, so I'm going to spend the next two years like learning how to make coffees, doing whatever I can to make this idea happen we talk a lot about manifestation in our society, but it's you have to put in the hard work to actually make the things be able to come true when the opportunities are there and then jump on them when they arrive. And I feel like that's exactly what you guys are doing. Um, patience, like patience plays a huge factor in all of this. Mm-hmm. Stuff. And I think in a lot of ways, living in a society that we've lived in, we've lost sight of what patience actually means. Oh yeah. I can build something from the ground up and, it takes time and it takes understanding and it takes like, okay, like you did this, you got to wait like seven months to see the result of that. Mm. Really to wait it out. (laughs) You started a business. You got to wait like three, four years in order to like for you to, you know, see money coming in or or whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. how it is. I'm saying it's not specific timelines, but I'm sometimes a lot longer than that. Yeah, Sometimes longer than that. Exactly. So like, Patience for me has been like the most fundamental word or yeah, throughout all of this Mm -hmm. for me personally. Yeah, definitely. I think um, especially like (laughs) very few people uh, our age engage in um, a brick and mortar business, Mm -hmm. you know, which takes a lot longer to cultivate and to grow than something like online, you know, which like most most people our age do, you know, and um, that 
you can you can have that grow um, very differently, uh, but but a lot quicker in some ways. And so, having something that you can actually sit inside, you know, and 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 feel and touch and smell and taste if you wanted to, you know, um, really adds to just how long it takes to to get this to where you want it to be. Because I can't pack up Antica and take it with me wherever I go. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's something that's just here all the time, you know, and uh, that makes it that makes it a lot harder, um, especially when you're when you're competing with with so many businesses who are just virtual and like you can just go onto somebody's website and that's their business. It's all there and mm-hmm. you can access that from anywhere in the world at any time. You know, mm-hmm. you can't access Antigua from anywhere in the world at any time. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, um, you have to you have to come here and, and experience it. But I think uh, it's also taught me a very very valuable lesson in just how important um, tangible things are. Yeah. Uh, and something that I, as a millennial, forget so often, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I like I talk about it a lot in the context of like being a DJ uh, who spins vinyl records and plays digital music, you know, and my sets um, take such different paths, you know, when I play uh, vinyl in comparison to digital, you know. Mm-hmm. When I play vinyl and I'm going through my crates, you know, to pick the next song, it's a very different experience and the set goes in a very different direction. Those records are something that I've actually physically spent time with, mm-hmm. you know. A digital copy of a, of a song is not something you can actually spend time with, you know. Mm-hmm. If I lend somebody my record, that copy of that record belongs to me. They're listening to my copy of that record, you know. If I send somebody a song digitally, it's um, it doesn't doesn't really belong to me, you know. Um, so going through that understanding uh, or that process of understanding the the, uh, the value in in things that are tangible as a millennial has been uh, really important, and uh, it 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 definitely takes a lot longer to gain a sense of satisfaction from from doing things in this way, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm, I'm grateful for, for having that in my life. Isn't it great when you like step back into the corner of the room on a busy night or even in the afternoon when there's a few people there and, but they're experiencing the space the way you hoped they would. And you get to just like sit and watch it and you just have this like, ah, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Like those moments are. Best. Absolutely. You don't get to see that online the same way. I mean, you do in a way because you can connect with hundreds of people, but it's not the same as like standing in a space, watching people enjoy it. Yeah. Like Absolutely. there's like one thing just popped in my head. Like when you said that it was like, I think maybe a month before all of this shit went down and like, it was, I think a Saturday or a Sunday and the place was completely packed. And my friend Sammy and my friend Alyssa walk in uh, and they have a band together called The Drips, and they had just completed mastering the record that they had been working on. And they walked in and they sat on the ottomans in the back because there was nowhere to sit. And Sammy's like, hey, man, do you mind just like, do you want to listen to this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, if you guys don't care, I'll throw it on. And we started playing their new album through the store. Uh-huh. And everybody's heads in the store turned. They're like, who is that? 
I'm like, guys, they're just in the <laughs> back right there. And everyone's like, holy shit, this is amazing. And like that to me right there was like the power of music. Mm-hmm. That all these different people in here that don't even know each other, mm-hmm. never met Sammy or Alyssa before. Sammy and Alyssa never met them. Played their song. They were all in a room together and everybody was like vibing out to something that two people in the room just created and mm-hmm. brought in here. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the most special moments I think I've ever had on the shop. I feel like you guys create that experience often um, because Antica is a place where I actually do meet new people, which is not, doesn't always happen in bars or coffee shops or anywhere. People are kind of all there like with the friends that they came with. Maybe you talk to the owners, but you don't always talk to other guests. You guys do um, uh, an event or you were doing an event like grooves to draw to. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who hasn't been to that, um, Shant spins and you have, do you have guest DJs for that too? Yeah. Yeah. And um, everyone just comes and draws and it just like creates a chill environment to inspire you and the money goes to a charity. Um, But people actually come by themselves often. They talk to the people around them. I was there one night and like people were getting up and going around and like showing each other their art on opposite ends of the space. Um. And it was just so cool because even in galleries and stuff, when there's life drawing and different workshops, people are really guarded and don't look at what I'm drawing, do your own thing. But in your space, people were actually like there and open and sharing. And I don't know, that to me was a night that I won't forget there. That's, that's really cool to hear. And yeah, I think um, what the way that like, I, I try and play a role in that is always like through the music, right? Like mm-hmm. creating a soundtrack for an environment. Like that's how I approach DJing. And mm-hmm. um, I, you often like think about, you know, people use this analogy all the time, but like watching a scary movie, 90% of what makes those moments scary is the music. The music is yeah. what is providing the emotion to your experience, right? Mm -hmm. So here, we're very, very conscious of the music that we choose to play. And the music that we choose to play is providing an emotional state for people to exist in. Mm -hmm. And we play music that has really good vibes. Mm -hmm. And that translates to the experience that's happening in the room, you know? I was uh, reading a document, um, a biography. Um, well, it, it's, an, it's an interesting book because uh, it's, it, it was a project that started as a biography when Prince was alive about him, but um, he passed away four months into the project starting. So mm-hmm. it ended up uh, being you know, taken on by a, by a co-author. And um, anyways, um, the co-author wrote the first chapter of the book um, in talking about how he met Prince and um, their experience of sort of getting this project started. And uh, one day they're in a club at an after party um, of one of Prince's concerts and they're chilling in the booth and the DJ puts on the song and Prince right away, you know, got somebody to get the DJ to change the song. And he turns to the co-author and was like, you know, people always wonder why, you know, fucked up shit happens in clubs and it's like because the djs are playing the soundtrack for that to happen 
Wow. They're playing the soundtrack for fights. They're playing the soundtrack for, you know, people to be disrespected and treated poorly. You know, when you, when you infuse music into a room, into a space that's created with a certain intention, that intention translates. It's wow. very, 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 very powerful. And if you doubt that power, that? yeah. And it, like I said, if you doubt that power, watch a movie. And the next time you do shut the music off. Will you feel a thing? You won't feel a goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. You know, all the emotion of an experience is pumped in through the music. Mm -hmm. Also, like going back to what you said of like, um, like, like you had like of seeing people walking around and showing each other their art or feeling safe enough to do that. Uh, just because you have a sign that says safe space on your fucking window doesn't mean you're in a fucking safe space. Yeah. Okay? Like a sign doesn't actually equate to that. What equates to that are people's actions that run or manage a certain spot. Mm -hmm. And I would never in my life put a sign like that on my window because I think it's counterproductive to what I'm actually trying to do here. Mm -hmm. I would never do that because the second you walk in here, you feel that already. Mm -hmm. I don't need to put that to make myself feel better or to make <laughs> you feel better. Walk in here and you will feel that. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that there, this it really is a judgment-free zone. You can be whoever the fuck you want to be, and I don't care. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not rude to other people or myself or what you're walking into, because then you will get kicked out. But mm -hmm. other than that, just be whoever you want. Mm -hmm. we've, never had, we've never had an issue with diversity. Let me put it that way. It's, it's kind of always been here. Mm -hmm. How do you guys balance? Because... The reality is you're a business. Um, you're not a publicly funded art space. Um, and so even with myself in the gallery, it's like we have all these cool ideas. There's so many things we want to do, um, whether it's my own ideas and things we want to express or working with other artists and bringing them in to do stuff. But at the end of the day, you still do have to pay your rent um, and make a profit. And so how do you balance all of these creative ideas and all of these creative elements and art um, and like making money and being a business. It's, uh, it's something that we definitely struggle with. Uh, and it's uh, something that we're trying to actively uh, work on. Um, my approach to, to solving that is people who understand um, you know, com coming into a, a space like this or, or you know, local coffee shops in, in comparison to like, you know, a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons where everything is like very streamlined and uh, very convenient, you know, like it's, it's the, the space is set up for you to, to walk in, spend your money and leave. Like that, that is literally it. Um, so in a space like this where, it, it takes added effort to interact and to get your cup of coffee and then, and then, you know, make your way out. Um, it's, it's difficult, um, for people who don't care for people who just want that convenient experience of, of getting, coming in, getting their coffee and going. Mm -hmm. so, Creating that sense of convenience is something that we we struggle with because that is far from the intention with which we function. But uh, you know we are we are conscious of that, and so 
I try and, you know, cultivate ways to have, to, to introduce those convenience factors for that person to walk in, get their cup of coffee and leave um, and continue to fund, you know, everything else that we do for the people who, who care, you know? So um, it would be very easy to, I mean, obviously not financially, but emotionally to be like, I don't care about that person, uh, but you have to, you mm -hmm. know? So uh, we, we actively try and, and implement things that will capture those people who are, are looking for that, that convenient experience in mm -hmm. order to get them to come here and spend their money, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just like figuring out ways to do that without um, losing ourselves in, in mm -hmm. the process. It's, it's, it's a very, very, very tough thing to, to balance, but it's absolutely necessary. And it's a matter of, of constantly um, reflecting things back to your vision and being like, how, how is this playing a role in my vision? And why am I implementing this into my business? And if it has a role in that process of getting you to achieve your dream, then it belongs and it's part of the process and you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of accepting that and mm -hmm. figuring out ways to do it and applying that same creativity that we apply to our events to, to this, to this problem of, of, um, you know, trying to, to make enough money to fund everything that we do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though. I wonder how many of those people that, I mean, obviously, there's always someone just coming in to get a coffee and go. Um, but I do know that a lot of people are intimidated by art, art in the sense of like music, um, visual arts, and... Not that problem. Uh, yeah. Sorry? I said, we've had that problem. There's, a, there's been a lot of people that like I've met outside of the store. It's like, yeah, I've always wanted to walk in there, but I've always <laughs> felt so intimidated. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, like, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it's like the black walls and like the, the chandeliers. And like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but we've definitely, yeah, that's definitely played a, played a factor in like our business for sure. I think the fact that you have the coffee though makes it like where – that's something that they do feel comfortable with. So they can come in, just get the coffee, but then get exposed to some new music, some art, and like get exposed to culture, which is cool because it'll be interesting to see like what the person who never says anything other than getting their coffee, like which record or song or art piece hanging will like all of a sudden make them talk about it. Do you ever have that where all of a sudden someone's interested in something where you didn't think they cared before? I mean, you, usually the people who, like, don't care are that way. Um, I don't know if I can, like, recall, like, having somebody who I thought was that way sort of, like, cross over. <laughs> well, there's been many instances where people blow your mind. Like, some people, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get along with this fucking guy. <laughs> like, and, then, and then, like, two minutes in, I'm like, dude, this guy's cooler than anybody I know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that happens a lot, actually. Like, mm -hmm. people blow my mind all the time on both ends of the spectrum. Where I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this person seems really cool. And I'm like, no, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? It's like that. It happens both ways, of course. Like, and that just goes down to, like, you know, like, don't judge people. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people will blow your mind all the time. Mm hmm Yeah. I, I, I definitely think you're right, though, in, in terms of that, like, 
feeling intimidated. I think it, it, it really comes down to um, real art um, that's, that's made from um, an authentic place makes somebody who is not being real with themselves feel very uncomfortable. Mm. Right? So when they walk into a space like Starbucks, Starbucks is made to make people feel very comfortable and not have to, to think, not have to um, address anything about themselves, you know, or, or feel uh, a sense of discomfort. Um, but yeah, and, and that definitely um, pays the bills, you yeah. know, uh, but we, we definitely create an environment where we try and facilitate and provide space for art that is very, very, very real. And that definitely makes somebody who's not being real, real with themselves feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a price we're willing to pay. <laughs> So for everyone who is like dying to see some art and can't, we did hang some art at Antica before this happened and it is still there and you can go and see it. Absolutely. Um, and they're really cool photos um, by Monica Trakov and her Instagram is at uh, Monica Designs. Um, so you can kind of go look at her Instagram. I'll link it in this video. Um, because there's a bit of a glare on the glass of the photos. But if you do go to Antica and get a coffee or buy a record, you can see it at least on the walls in the background. Sure. Anytime. <laughs> I'm looking forward to switching it, it, not to take her stuff down, but to just keep putting up cool stuff there. We had talked about um, my more and uh, yeah, kind of like a bit of a metal vibe. Yeah. I think I'm excited about those. <laughs> um, we're going to be doing some micro weddings at Antica. Um, soon, man. Hopefully soon. Yeah. So micro weddings, um, the Freedom Factory, we offer like a $3,000 um, starting point for uh, a three-hour wedding for 30 people, including everything. Um, and so we're wanting when this is all over to start working with some like local restaurants um, and places, restaurants, bars, hospitality, um, arts venues, and just kind of start collaborating with people who were affected by this whole thing um, and build that community and offer some alternative spaces for the weddings, not just the gallery. Um, so I'm excited to plan some there. And it'll be really cool to like with those black walls and chandeliers, like the kind of vibe you'll be able to create in there. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've had like a couple people come and take wedding photos in here, actually. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for people looking to start oh, do it. creative business? <laughs> like um, someone sitting there with all these ideas of what, their friends and family tell them like, it's just a dream. It's not a real business. That's not a tangible thing. Like go back to school or do whatever. Like what advice do you have? Listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what I will say is that when Raz allowed me to come and join him in, uh, in this process, somebody who did not listen to those family members 
who um, persevered and did what he had to do to get these doors open. Um, and then, you know, gave me that chance to come and join him in that, in that process once like, you know, all of that work was done um, was, I, I learned such a valuable lesson in that process where uh, the most important step is, is starting, you know, mm -hmm. he, he jumped and because he jumped, I got to feel like what it feels like to fly. Mm -hmm. And I was able to then take that and apply it to my own life about things that I don't know if I would have ever taken the leap on, you know. And when I had the confidence to do that because I know what it felt like, uh, it, it changed my life. And, mm -hmm. and things started to, to work out. And, and um, I mean, like, just... Um, when, when you gave me that, that opportunity at the Freedom Factory to the DJ, I had my, I had my turntable set up in here for, for I, I think, about a couple weeks, you know, and I was, and it was something that I had dreamed of doing and I had been wanting to do and I knew that it was something that was inside of me. Uh, and, and I went out and I bought some turntables and I set it up and I started to DJ and then, you know, there you were offering me, uh, you know, an opportunity, you know. So when you follow your heart and when you listen to your gut and you take action on those things, and it could be tiny, tiny, tiny steps, mm -hmm. you will start to see things align and work out and that will propel you forward. But if you don't take that first tiny step, you won't be met with that opportunity to push yourself forward and to have that dream grow and be what it deserves to be. Mm -hmm. So you feel like there's something out there that you should be doing with your life and you should spend your time doing. Just, just do it. Just spend a, a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of time working on it, but just be, disciplined about it and be consistent with it mm -hmm. and don't quit and just keep going and if it's what you're meant to do you will be met with opportunity because you were brave enough to take that step so um just be like raz and, and, <laughs> and just do it for me i'm going to use like the wise words uh, words of marilyn manson when he was asked by michael moore what would you tell the Bowling for Columbine kids? So Marilyn Manson says, I wouldn't tell them a damn thing, and I would listen to what they have to say. So for me, whatever I tell somebody or someone else tells somebody, it's just all going to be influenced, and it's going to be poisoned by your own experience. You do whatever you want. Mm. You create your own path, create your own narrative, do whatever you want. Because whatever I tell you, is going to be a completely different experience than what you're going to go through. Mm -hmm. Very different. But I think that's the key. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Want being like the operative word, not think yeah. you should or feel like you've invested time into. Sure. I mean, again, not everybody has the luxury or the privilege to be yeah. like, do whatever the fuck I want. Sure. <laughs> but I think if you do have that opportunity, yeah. I think you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the people that don't have that opportunity not to take it. Yeah. Because the people that don't have that opportunity would be like, you have the opportunity. Why are you not, mm -hmm. why are you not doing it? 
or finding ways to incorporate it into your life, even if it's a yeah, small for, thing. Yeah, like, exactly. I think that there's everybody has that like chance to to include something tiny um, about what they truly want and what their purpose is into their lives. And I think once they do that, once they take that tiny step, things will start to align and it will grow and it will turn into what it's supposed to. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. I love chatting with you guys. This is so good. Cause it's like, this is just like going to get a coffee. <laughs> we have these like chats. I miss it. I'm like, Oh, oh yes. <laughs> we miss you too. I wish I could like, like put this through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> also love your cup design. I always like know where people got their coffee from. It's like you look to see which sleeve they have. <laughs> it's like, oh, they went to this place. <laughs> so where can people find you? Um, where are you actually located if people are downtown and want to come in and oh, get yeah, a like physical world or like physical? Yeah. Physical world, 960 Queen Street West. Uh, it's just east of Ossington uh, on Queen. Perfect. North side. North side. Yeah. <laughs> and then digitally, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Tiki Cafe for both. Sweet. And you guys are doing a live stream in the mornings. We are. Yes. Yeah. Mixcloud.com slash live slash Antica. Um, Monday to Friday, 9.30 to 11 a.m. Uh, we're, we're curating music for the morning coffee experience and um, having guests on uh, from the local community to... Just keep the conversation alive uh, and um, keep sharing music with people and um, that that uh, that soundtrack for for the world that we want to live in just mm. that we need to, to keep playing and the more that it plays the more people will experience those emotions and um, we'll change the world Tiffany I love that so much <laughs> the soundtrack for the world we want to live in it's so good it's so true mm. it's so well, I'm going to put all those links below um, and I'm going to come see you guys soon, like through the window. But, that sounds great. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Tiff. Okay. That was our podcast. Wow. Playing the soundtrack for the life you want. I love that. I have to say, it's such a pleasure chatting with these two again. Certainly one of the things I've missed the most during this pandemic is getting out and chatting with my neighbors over coffee and really diving into these kinds of chats. It's certainly one of the things I'm the most grateful for with this podcast is being able to reconnect and chat with people that I haven't been able to see for the last almost three months. If you've enjoyed the podcast as much as we did, please hit subscribe, show us some love. Thanks for listening. Until next time.